Hey folks, JR, back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. It's going to be episode 81, Press Conference Part 5. Hi folks, we're going to get into some more of Director Holt's press conference and uh, see where that takes us. It's a lot easier to to digest the press conference when he gets into the facts of the case instead of doing all the politicking. All right, let's get into this and see where it leads us. All right, folks, you recall the tack unit just entered the house. I'm going to start at this bottom of the news clipping. This room, then in parentheses, indicating the middle bedroom on the west side of the house, is the focus of attention. This room is nine, nine feet wide by 11 feet long. As I understand it, this residence is actually a mobile home that's been converted to a house. So we have a nine foot wide, 11 foot long bedroom and considered and considerable interest will be focused on this room before we get through. Go back, four officers entered, they fanned out, and they received fire as they entered. As they start to advance, they receive more fire. Officers Watson and Summers and Rutherford returned fire into this area, parentheses, indicating the kitchen and front bedroom area on the east side of the house. That's actually the west side of the house. We do not know at that point, whether anyone is injured. Officers Watson and Summers, after checking this area, they continue to move forward towards the kitchen area with Officers Rutherford and McNair moving from the den area into this area, parentheses, by the bar. They pause momentarily. Officer McNair is beginning to move towards the kitchen area, as these officers start to move forward. See how nice and concise it is, folks? And we know this is an accurate rendition of what's going on because we've actually covered all the statements. And we've got to look over some of the evidence collected so we know this is reliable, at least as far as as we can carry it based on the statements and the uh physical evidence. As officer, as officer Rutherford moves somewhere in this area, parentheses indicating the doorway between the bar and a bedroom at the rear of the house, he is fired upon from somewhere in this area, parentheses indicating the middle bedroom on the west side of the house, and is struck in the back. He has a protective vest on. The impact is sufficient to knock him to the floor, but he does quickly recover, turns, and both officers Rutherford and McNair fire in this direction at this particular point. Now, folks, if you remember when we were talking about the entry and the statements and the physical evidence, you know, there was some thought that he got hit by shrapnel from one of the ferret rounds or flashbang but if you recall, they recovered a 
slug, a spent round, and it had been flattened, and it was found in the area where Rutherford had been hit. So it is, it's pretty proof positive. Well, I shouldn't say positive, but I, I would say it leans pretty positively towards the fact that he was hit by a round fired from one of the suspects. Now, of course, the media doesn't know that at this time, and later on they'll find out when they get a copy of the case file. But still, we know that what Director Hode is saying is accurate. We also know later on that the evidence, physical evidence, will positively show that the suspects were firing and that Rutherford was hit. Again, we are not sure whether or not anyone is injured at that point. At that point, Officer Rutherford fired probably 20 or 25 rounds of M16 ammunition. Officer McNair fired a shotgun. All right. Now, as the first two officers are continuing to advance parentheses through the kitchen, McNair and Rutherford begin to move. Officers Ray and Hubbard are advancing into this area, the den, parentheses. All the officers are under direct control, voice control by the team leader, McNair, during this entire operation. Every move is coordinated. So McNair calls for a momentary pause. They wait. Hubbard and Ray are back here, parentheses, in the den. The other four are spread through here, parentheses, the kitchen. They pause for about a minute. The reason is principally the density of the gas is quite heavy. They're having quite a bit of trouble seeing as they go through, so they pause in order to give the gas time to clear a little. During this point in time, well, at no point in time do they ever hear, but partially during this period, period in time when everything is still silent and there are no calls for surrender, no calls for help, or none of the individuals in the house indicate in any way they want to call a halt to the situation that has evolved. That's actually, that's a very good point. All right, after about a minute's pause, they again start movement. Officers Watson and Summers advance to about this area, parentheses, between the bathroom and the kitchen, and they draw fire. They receive fire a couple of rounds from somewhere around this door, parentheses, the west bedroom. And remember, folks, they're talking about the uh, northwest correction that would be the northeast bedroom door the one that leads out into the hallway if you remember the diagram the hallway you come out you take a left you go to the living room you go straight across and there's the bathroom and the kitchen they see two people the shadows of two people or they see two people Watson returns fire at this point, probably three or four rounds, and at that point in time, we believe that the first party is hit, who is Lindbergh Sanders. We believe he is fatally injured at that point with a shot to the right temple 
and then as he has fallen, he receives a second shot to the top of the head. We also believe at this time that a second suspect is injured. We believe that second suspect was Earl Thomas, and that at that point in time, he is hit in the right arm and chest, although it would not have been a fatal injury. And folks, remember in the episode, right, I think when we were going into the tax statements, I mentioned the theory that the medical examiner's office had mentioned, I think specifically uh, Dr. O.C. Smith, he had mentioned they had talked that they thought that the Northwest bedroom was their fallback room, that that'd be the room where they'd make their final stand. Remember how we discussed that it was a strategic location. And from that room, you could cover all entry points into the house. During the time this action is occurring, Officers Rutherford and McNair are sweeping forward to check the front bedroom area. Officer Watson, after the shots are fired here, button hooks this bathroom door, comes in, checks the bathroom, comes back to this west bedroom door and sees a third person crouched or he sees a person crouched just inside the door and he fires several rounds again. And we believe that this is again Earl Thomas who was injured on the first exchange. And we believe at that time he receives fatal injuries to the left front abdomen, left forearm, chest, and in the face. As I stated, Rutherford and McNair have moved into this area, parentheses, front bedroom. They see some movement or believe they see movement. They do fire some rounds in this room, front bedroom, parentheses. We feel that one of the other people, the person that was originally the that originated to fire from here may have run into this room, living room. We don't know. But shots are fired there. There is fresh fresh blood later discovered there, so there is, I think, a strong possibility that someone received an injury at that time. Well, now, if he's talking about the northeast bedroom, if you recall, I believe Rutherford talked about the fact he fired some rounds in the northeast bedroom, and he was pretty convinced that he just saw shadows or something, that there wasn't anybody in the room. Regarding the fresh blood... That's where Bobby Hester was getting the stew beat out of him, so I would say there'd be some of his blood in that room. Of course, now it probably wouldn't be all that fresh since it'd been in there for 30 hours. And of course, any blood you find in the living room, Bobby Hester, his blood, Swill's blood's all in the living room. But I guess if it was fresh, I guess there could be something to that. During the time all this is occurring... Officers Hubbard and Ray are sweeping in this direction towards the back door. In parentheses of the west bedroom, towards this bedroom. This is where fire has been seen earlier. As they approach this area, parentheses near the bedroom door, they see a subject in the doorway. He is in a semi-crouched or lying 
position. He has something in his hand, and they fire on this subject. And this is Larnell Sanders. He receives fatal injuries with one headshot going right to left and three in the left side. The trajectories that I'm talking about are all compatible with what the officers tell us. And the director's right, they are. That's what happens when you compare the physical evidence to the statements, and if it all checks out, then the officers are obviously telling the truth. And then we have officers Hubbard and Ray here in the door between the west and rear bedrooms. Remember, we have Watson and Summers here, and he's indicating the front door of the west bedroom. Or that when he's talking about the front door, he's talking about the northeast door and that Hubbard and Ray are at the uh, door on the south side of the northwest bedroom. And at that point, or after shooting at this individual, Larnell Sanders, officers Hubbard and Ray continue to move up to this west bedroom door, and they see a fourth subject on his knees with pistol in hand. Both our officers fire at this point from the door, from the doorway area. So, folks, we know from the statements we went over, physical evidence, we know that everything the director's talking about is accurate. And it, it is a good point that attack officers are stating they never heard anyone say, hey, I surrender, or, hey, I give up. And you have to remember... Even though there's only two pistols in the house, the TAC unit doesn't know it. But also, the subjects with those two pistols are all in the same room, so there's easy access for the suspects to obtain the pistol once another suspect has been hit and is down. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode here. That's probably been the most enjoyable part of the press conference so far. And that is we got to hear the facts. The facts of what happened. We didn't have to hear all that other old political mess. Which we're not going to go over again right now. But, anyways. That's the part of the news conference that I like. Just give the facts. Don't talk that other old mess. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody believes it. Anyways, folks, I do appreciate y'all. We will be back in a few days, and we'll hit another another episode with some more of the press conference. We'll probably do just a few more episodes. We're not going to try to do, I don't think, the entire thing, but we'll do. We're probably going to do most of it and try to do some of the question and answer stuff. Now, all right, folks, I do appreciate you. And as always, I will see you down the road.